Welcome to For 10 Points, the best podcast on the web for everything quiz bowl related. Whether you're a player, a coach, or just trying to improve, we can help you get better. I'm your host, Ken Romeo, and with me, as always, is my co-coach, Andrew Turiago. Andrew, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Uh, I've got a very hefty mailbag here that I'm excited to get into uh, with some excellent questions. I feel like this is something that is a long time coming because we've had people write into our show and and ask questions and if you're interested you can just email us at for 10 points at gmail.com that email address again is for the number 10 points at gmail.com and you know sometimes Andrew and I might just answer your question then and there but um, but we've seen a, a number of questions either come to us or are thrown up on uh, hsquizbowl.org. And so we want to take a crack at answering them today. So and what do you think, be, Mr. They, they might be questions that you yourself have asked and uh, been just doing your best on. And uh, I think, uh, you know, hearing some people talk about them might uh, uh, give you some ideas for what to do. So, Ken, the first question I see here is um, uh, basically, what do you bring to an in-person tournament? Would you like me to read the whole uh, text of the question? I, I think so. All right. Uh, so this says, hello. Uh, as a quiz bowl player from Washington, where our circuit is unfortunately small, I have zero knowledge of how in-person tournaments are run and what people's routines are. Those of you who have attended numerous in-person tournaments, what are some items that you normally bring to your events? And which of them do you have on your desk during events? Don't be shy. I'll have my ears or eyes open to anything. I'm super curious. And please be very specific if you can. Also, those of you who bring notebooks, what and how do you write during rounds? I hope this will help me out because this is my first ever in-person Quiz Bowl tournament. It will actually be this year's MSNCT. Uh, thanks, Padraig. Yeah, so um, Padraig Finn uh, or Finon is an eighth grader at Washington Connections Academy. So best of luck at MSNCT. And uh, he also gave us a nice little post on HS uh, Quiz Bowl as well. So thank you for listening, Pradeg, and uh, we're happy to answer your question. So um, so let's start off with, with a notebook. Yes, you should bring a notebook. A lot of the questions have pencil or paper ready. And Ken, I should have all my answers in my notebook, right? Uh, well, you're not allowed to look at those. But um, so we've had, we've had uh, players write the entire question down as it's being read. And uh, I, I don't know if I necessarily recommend that. Because, Just the answer, too. I've seen that as well. Yeah, I, I don't recommend writing out the entire question because then are you really focusing on the question that's being asked or are you focusing on writing it down? So I don't know if that's necessarily the, the best idea. It worked for John when, when John played for us. I'm not going to argue with, with, uh, with his success, but, um, but yeah, writing down answer lines of questions would certainly help. Even if it's something you got right, if you write down an answer line, um, you might also want to write down the clue that led you to it or the, the clue right before it that you didn't know. Uh, also just to kind of get a sense of, you know, what, what, uh, what these questions are looking for. So I would certainly say, bring, bring a notebook, write down the answers to questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so like we like we mentioned earlier, you don't want to be uh, looking at any of the past questions or anything, any other notes you've taken in the past. Um, but I think having a notebook where you have some sort of a consistent routine of maybe writing down what the answer line is or writing down what category. Uh, I know a lot of players will write down what specifically the question is asking for. So if it asks you, uh, you know, this Roman god, I've seen a lot of very high level players get tripped up because they'll power in and buzz and say the Greek god. Uh, and writing down what exactly the question is specifically asking for eliminates those uh, those unfortunate buzzes where you say the author and they're looking for the title of the book or vice versa. And no matter how many times we say that, 
our players will still just whatever, whatever. You don't. So that's an advantage you can take. <laughs> uh, some other things to bring with you. Uh, if you listen to our last episode, you know that I, I definitely think you should bring your food and snacks for the day. Um, uh, I also think it's a good idea to bring uh, your phone and a charger for that phone. Uh, I personally would prefer that every player bring a flip phone, one that uh, you know has very minimal uh, technological capabilities besides contacting people. Uh, but you know, uh, I do think that you will need to uh, contact your teammates and make sure they know where you are. Um, and uh, if you uh, don't have a charger, then that, that's uh, a scenario where you know your team might be ready to play, and you might be in a different room and. You know, uh, you just want to make sure you can contact uh, the rest of your teammates. Um, definitely bring yourself in peak condition for notes about that. Uh, check out our last podcast uh, about playing your best. Um, but, you know, this is an underrated thing. You are bringing yourself. And if you're going to bring yourself uh, dinged up and with an empty gas tank, uh, you probably are not going to win the Indy 500. Right. Um, and I'll say... Uh, Anything uh, else that will keep morale high? I know uh, for a lot of players, that's like a Blage Ikea shark or some kind of mascot, something that, you know, is just like a, uh, maybe it's a board game that you, like a Jenga tower or something like that, that you can do with your teammates in between rounds and kind of, you know, uh, just relax and, uh, you know, enjoy that time spent with friends. Speaking of in between rounds, you might want to bring practice material. You can read yourself or you can read with your, with your teammates just to stay sharp. And uh, the last thing on our list is bringing score sheets. Now, NAQT has their own score sheets, and you can print off those and just kind of keep score. Might not be a bad idea to keep score along with the scorekeeper in the room. Mm-hmm. Or have a parent do that. Right. Some you know Mistakes are made sometimes, and it's always good to keep people honest and make sure that they're adding things up correctly. But also, you don't have to stick with NAQT score sheet. I've seen some schools, I think Hunter does something like this, where... The score sheets they use are more geared towards what subject was the question and did we power it? Did we neg it? Did the other team power it? Just to get a sense of where our weaknesses are, mm-hmm. where the other team's strengths are. So something to keep track of your team's performance or your personal performance, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I would say... Um... Uh, for Padraig, uh, if you have qualified for MSNCT, then you are already uh, in good company. And, uh, you know, the things that you bring with you are important. You, you want to make sure that you uh, are prepared, but you also don't want to weigh yourself down too much. I've seen players who walk around with, like, actual backpacks, and I do think that's a little unnecessary. Um, the, the, you know, uh, carrying around a, a heavy backpack all day probably is, is actually going to hurt you more than help you, so. Have a light string bag, something like that. All right. Our next question comes from Minnesota. This is Ethan Ashbrook from uh, uh, Minnesota is asking for a friend. Mm -hmm. But surely somebody out there has thought of trying to develop methods for tilting other teams past just being good at Quiz Bowl, regardless of sportsmanship considerations. Um so anybody got any strategies for tilting your opponents? Mr. Okay. T, can you just I, explain what yeah, that means? What I, does it mean to so tilt? I would love to, I'd love to really deep dive into this question. Um, so tilt is a term that comes from poker. Um, and in poker, if someone is tilted, it means that they are uh, no longer playing logically because um, usually they've just had like a big loss or something like that. And they are kind of irrationally and frustratedly uh, just, you know, making mistakes. 
And we've I've definitely seen this in Quiz Bowl. Uh, players who, after they neg a question that they knew, or after they, um, you know, have a few uh, questions that they uh, were beat to in a buzzer race, they start to kind of go on tilt and you know uh, be a little bit more disrespectful towards their teammates and slump in their chair. And it's something that honestly, as a, as a Quiz Bowl coach, I love to see in the other team, and I uh, hate to see in my players. Um, and so I think. Uh, kind of breaking down how tilt happens for me is, is something that can, can be useful. Um, so uh, rephrasing the question a little bit, I would say uh, the the best strategy for tilting your opponent is to be faster than them and know more things. If you can do those two things, then all of your opponents will be tilted uh, because of how quickly you answer the questions and how accurately you are uh, getting all of the points. And every single round will end in a grail. Uh, that said, that's not necessarily possible. Uh, I will say... Um, Keeping track of tilt, making sure that you as a player and your team is not off kilter. Um, that's something that I actually think um, the Longfellow team did an excellent job of keeping track of their emotions when they were in the final over the course of, of the last few rounds there. Um, they did a really, really good job of uh, keeping each other emotionally um, uh, like stable. And you could see that they were checking in with each other, saying things like "nice buzz," uh, also saying things like "that's totally fine." We'll get the next one. Don't worry about it. You run know, it back. control alt delete. We'll just run it back. Um, and so um, I would say the number one thing that I can say that will cause your opponent to tilt, and this is almost almost I almost don't want to say this because I think that this is so valuable. If you are friendly and genuinely likable and nice to your opponents every round and you beat them, that is the ultimate tilt. They will start to root for you even as they lose. Right, uh, one of my favorite teams that I've played with um, in the national championship. We had a team that we we beat in a really really close game, uh, and I was so proud afterwards when the coach of that team came over and told me, "Your kids are so nice," and clearly they were devastated. Uh, they went on to do incredibly well in that tournament, um, but clearly they were devastated. And in that moment, they still said, "Your kids are so nice and so friendly. It was a pleasure to play with you," and I think. That experience of, of when we're in a competitive sport, we naturally kind of want to other or, you know, think of the other side as an enemy. And at the end of the day, because we're all quizable players, you probably have an incredible amount in common with the other team. Make friends with them, you know, uh, have kind of like a, a, a polite and friendly banter with them and be like, ah, yeah, great buzz, you know. And I think that can cause them to tilt a little bit as they're like, I can't even be mad because they were so nice and they just knew more things than me, and they were faster, and they were like, good luck in the rest of the tournament. You guys played great, and I just became friends with this person, and uh, I think that is the the ultimate way to to tilt, tilt your opponent. So um, I, I'll add, um, I don't advocate for anything that is poor sportsmanship and like going out of your way to... Absolutely not. Right? Like, you know, like the... Toss up number one, and you just hit your buzzer right away because you know that doesn't really count because they haven't mm-hmm. said any of the questions mm-hmm. yet. And you're just doing that to get into the head of the other team. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't really work. That's a jerk move. Like and mm-hmm. and I I'm gonna take the question like, hey, what can we do that's not a jerk move? Mm-hmm. That's you know not poor sportsmanship that might still have some sort of psychological effect. And one of the things that came to my mind is you know what's awesome is when when teams come in and they are they look professional and that's been one of the mottos that i've been trying to impose on my 
team this year. Like we are the professionals. Middlesex, we are the professionals. We have our uniforms and everyone wears the the blue shirt and the khaki pants. We all look uniform. We go in, we sit down, we get set, and then when it's time to test the buzzer and they've practiced, like, okay, Middlesex, test your buzzer. Boop, 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 boop. You know, they they buzz in really quickly, like like they've they have that practice, and the other team can be like, Oh, <laughs> oh wow they're, they're really good at this they're, they're, they've they practiced just buzzing in to check their buzzer mm-hmm. and sometimes that just has a little bit of a psychological effect of hey you know we lost I will always remember the year we won nationals when we played um, it was I want to say it was like the the semifinals so I think we were in a in a spot where we were automatically going to be in the finals already, but we still had to win to make sure it was an advantage fi- or, or something like that. I'm not, I'm, I'm not quite, I don't quite remember the details, but, but um, we played a team from California, the pioneers, right. Who, who won in 2018. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they saw us, they're like, Oh, well, we, we're not going to win this game because they, we just had that reputation already. We were doing very well in the tournament we had already. It, there was no question in my mind. We won that. We were going to win that game because there was no question in his mind that we had already lost. That they had already lost. So, so having a reputation is is uh, the best tilt. And uh, honestly, the only thing that I could I could offer here is, you know, look the part. Did you ever see Catch Me If You Can? Mm-hmm. And uh, Christopher Walken is telling Leonardo DiCaprio, "Hey, why do the Yankees always win?" The pinstripes. The pinstripes. Because the other team just can't take their eyes off the pinstripes. And so that's the aura that you have to create. That the match is already over because you're playing Middlesex. And there they are with their blue shirts. And boop, 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 boop. Like they buzzed in, just checking their buzzer really quickly. They are the professionals and we have no shot. Mm-hmm. I'll say uh, one of the most tilting experiences I think uh, I've ever gone through in Quiz Bowl was uh, one year I was playing with the C team in um, uh, nationals and uh, we lost because the other team uh, was much more mindful of the clock and they played properly in running the ball down, basically dribbling the ball down court and letting the, the timer run out. And I remember my players, uh, something that I'm really proud about and happy about was my players being tilted for about a minute being like, ah, oh, we lost. It was only because of the clock that we lost. And then after about a minute, they were like, you know, that's really smart. We should remember that because that's that's a rule and they, they did it properly and they won because of it. And five rounds later in the finals of the consolation bracket that they played in, um, they won with clock using the, after the bonus, they said, oh, who is the first president of the United States? They turned to each other and were kind of like, oh, what do you think? Thomas Jefferson, John Adams? And then when the person prompted them, only then did they go, George Washington. And then they said, okay, and this person chopped down this tree, and they turned to each other and were like, elm, oak, I don't know. And then only when they were prompted, after another five or ten seconds has gone by, they were like, cherry tree. And they did the same thing for the the last two toss-ups that they got. Uh, And it was very close, and there were more toss-ups to be read. But because they uh, let that time go down, they ended up winning, and they didn't need to hear those last couple questions. And I was very proud of them that they were able to see that the other team did something that actually was completely within the rules. Uh, And instead of tilting, they said, you know, we just need to add that to our toolbox. 
But honestly, I think the best advice we can give is don't be tilted. Don't fall for these gimmicky things that people are trying to do to, to get into your head. The more you practice, the more you can turn any game situation into the feeling of it's just like practice. And if other people are off doing silly things, you can refocus your team and say, hey, guys, it's just like when we're back in you know, the library reading questions to each other and you can ignore it. Um, I, I remember, uh, uh, I think this was the year we finished fifth and eighth. We played a team that tried to tilt us by calling timeout and getting us off our game. And our guys just weren't phased by it. We were on a run. They called timeout to try to slow us down right out of timeout. First question powered. Yep, exactly. And it just, it, it didn't matter. And I remember one of the, that match, I think one of the kids on the other team was like really upset because they might have negged the question or we beat them to something and psychologically he just took himself out of the game and our guys were just focused the entire time. We ended up losing to Longfellow that year like most years and um, you know when the match is over even though Longfellow had negged like five or six times we just we just didn't know it and you know our, our guys just had this great mindset of like hey you know we we gave it our best shot, you know. We we played it our best and gave it our best shot. It was a it was a great mindset to have mm-hmm. as a team. It was a really I'll say team. one thing that can help as well as um, uh, learning how to play from behind. Uh, if you want something to practice with your team coaches uh, to help them not be tilted, uh, have two teams play against each other and have one of them start with a two hundred point deficit, right? Um, or have students read a packet and tell them uh, something that we do uh, that we used to practice is uh, I have them practice against the robot and the robot gets the question as soon as it's out of power. Um, So they have to answer before uh, the question goes out of power. If they hear that for 10 points then the robot has already buzzed in and automatically gets it um, and uh, they'll, they'll kind of learn to recalibrate against strong opponents and learn how to, how to kind of play from behind. All right. Uh, our next question uh, is something that has like I've been asked a lot uh, over my ten or ten plus years as a coach, and that's how do you handle timeouts? Mm-hmm. And when preparing for the show, Andrew, you and I kind of had different ideas about how to handle timeouts, when to when to take a timeout. Um, mm-hmm. So why don't you why don't uh, yeah. you go first? I'll share my philosophy. Um, my philosophy is that Quiz Bowl is best played in flow or in state, um, which is a, kind of a psychological phenomenon where you are uh, really engrossed in an activity and you like like some of the symptoms of flow are like you lose the awareness of your body, you lose an awareness of time passing, uh, you just are completely engrossed and focused in what is happening in that moment. Um, I think you want to call timeouts only when your players are not in flow which is you can see them visibly flustered, frustrated, uh, thinking about something else, distracted by something, um, and you want to use those timeouts as, as an opportunity to remind them like uh, you are in the middle of a, a quiz bowl game. That's what, that's the only thing you need to worry about. Um, and um, I, I also think that they're, they can be helpful to try to negate momentum from the other side, 
but that usually won't work against the best teams. Um, so a lot of uh, coaches and players will only use them when they're behind or they really want some kind of score check with, you know, uh, three questions left. So, um, so that's where we're in agreement, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe the other team is just went on a run. They've gotten three toss-ups in a row, four toss-ups in a row. They've mm-hmm. they've closed the gap or they've maybe opened up a big lead and you want to um, you want to slow their momentum. But when we were talking about this, you actually said, well, sometimes I call a timeout if we're up mm-hmm. by a lot. You know, we're up mm-hmm. by 200, 300 points and call a timeout. And I want to ask, uh, why do you think that might be a good time to call my, a timeout? My thinking was uh, that I want my players to uh, learn to recalibrate naturally when they're playing against uh, different kinds of teams or when they're in different scenarios. Uh, if, for example, my players um, are kind of slow rolling themselves at the beginning of a packet and the opposing team is much stronger than they expected, uh, I might use that as an opportunity to call a timeout and then have them uh, recalibrate and they need to play against this team like they're playing against the A team or like they're playing against someone else and maybe take more risks. I always think about the fact that my players have a uh, threshold for certainty that they can adjust and you can buzz in when your threshold for certainty hits a certain amount, but sometimes you need to adjust that to be much higher uh, if you are playing against a really strong team. But if you're ahead, my feeling is um, if you're really, really uh, far ahead and it's a really close close match um, or you expect it to be a very close match, uh, you may want to call timeout just as a breather and just kind of discuss team strategy. Like, we're ahead. We, we are still just going to play our game. We don't want to really change what we're doing, but we, we want to take a moment, take a breather. The longer... That, you know, if an opponent is b- very far behind and they're in timeout, uh, they kind of, it's not a comfortable experience. They have to kind of sit there and stew in the fact that, like, oh, we're down 250 points. Um, so that that might be an effective reason to call a timeout or say a student, you know, if a student needs to use the restroom, uh, I would love for my <laughs> student to go use the restroom before. Uh, but if they need to go and we're up 300 points, I don't mind that because the other team is going to sit there and kind of think about all the points that they have to make up. Uh, and be in that kind of negative headspace. Um, but I, I don't think I've ever had a student go in the middle of a packet or need to go in the middle of a packet. Um, just go before or after. Uh, so I think timeouts are about wanting your players to play their game. Um, you can try to use them to negate momentum, but that doesn't really work on the best teams, the most experienced teams. So I would say I mostly use them to um, uh, try to make sure that my players are in a good mood, playing their own game, and uh, hopefully in that flow state where they're uh, just enjoying playing quiz bowl. How about you, Ken? Any any major? No, no I, I think that's a, a really good explanation um, because I I had never thought of calling a timeout if we're up. But you know anything that, as you said, recalibrates our team and puts them back into all we're doing is listening to questions. We're back in the library. It's Mrs. Ivy reading us questions in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, look, toss up comes up and it's about something we don't know. There's nothing we can do. There's no mm-hmm. there's no adrenaline rush that's going to will us to know something that we never knew before. Yeah. But there are definitely times where you can tense up, you can overthink, you can um you can get nervous and anxiously mm-hmm. press a buzzer when you're not when you mm-hmm. actually mean to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh something that I can't emphasize enough is that a lot of people believe that the best athletes or the best players uh, actually improve under pressure. And that is not the case. The literature strongly disagrees with the idea that people play better under pressure. 
what actually happens is, you know, uh, uh, an NFL quarterback who's been to the Super Bowl six times before is going to play exactly the same way that he always plays. And people on the opposing team, if maybe it's their first Super Bowl or maybe they've never been to, you know, any kind of a, a really serious competitive thing, uh, are going to play worse than usual. So if if you can just play the way that you normally play, you will have a benefit from that just because everybody else under very high-pressure situations tends to play a little bit worse. So you don't need to pick up your game. You don't need to play even better. You just need to play the way you always do, and there's an advantage in that. No matter what the score is, no matter how many questions the other team just got in a row, no matter who just called his timeout, you always want to bring it back to, hey, this next toss-up, we're going we're gonna to try to power this next toss-up. I think that's also the importance of uh, focused practice. Um, it is very common that people just want to jam games and just play casually and just be like, you know, let's just play this and see how it goes. Um, but if you are really approaching every game trying to win it like it is a tournament round and really playing and practicing properly, uh, then you will see those results transfer over. Um, and a lot of people will kind of, you know, my dad would always say do right the first time. Um, and a lot of people will just kind of half-heartedly play in practice and be like, Oh, well I would have gotten that. And you know, uh, we would have talked more through that. And you know, someone will say a guess and their team won't go with that guess. And that guess was right. And that person's like, I would have advocated more, but you know, it's just practice. Uh, I think all of your habits will, translate to tournaments and so you want to be playing at your best all the time it's what uh coach o'donnell said back in episode five right practice doesn't make perfect practice makes permanent and you want to practice the way you want to play in a match so that's gonna wrap up uh the mailbag segment of our episode uh this time if you have questions that you want mr t and i to mr t and i mr t and me uh, mr t and i i think mr t friend. and i if you want questions or, wait let me use, <laughs> use chat gpt here. <laughs> that's okay so you're bringing up chat gpt i actually have a question for you mr t mm-hmm. and by the way what i was going to say is if you have questions for us that you want us to answer and it's you want us not you want we to answer you want us to answer uh please send them it's 410points at gmail.com, for the number 10 points at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. So this open source AI is now the, the new big thing. Um, one of our last practices that we had before, um, before recording this, Mr. T and I were, were playing around with ChatGPT, and we wanted to see, hey, there's this new tool. And like most things, anytime I'm facing something new, my brain goes to how can this make my quiz bowl team better? Mm-hmm. So I lecture every Monday on history and I've been using chat GPT to help kind of organize my lecture notes. Um, and you know, I kind of look at it as a, as an interactive Wikipedia. So if I want to know something about, um, uh, Henry the second, I might say, all right, chat GPT, give me six significant, things that happened during the reign of Henry II and list them chronologically. And, you know, and if I, if I see something come up that I don't know about, I'll, I'll prod it and I'll ask it more questions. But um, I don't know. How do you see 
ChatGPT is something that could help us. I see ChatGPT the way that Wikipedia was in the very early days, which is I think that it is a useful tool, but I also think it should be approached with caution. Um, I remember uh, being in elementary school and middle school and being able to make edits to Wikipedia uh, and having those edits stand, and some of them were pretty humorous and comical, and no one edited them back. Um, but uh, I, I also remember reading some of those articles on Wikipedia and checking out the sources and the citations uh, and having a lot of useful knowledge that I absorbed from it. So I think ChatGPT is, uh, is very useful. I think it's um, a, a tool that uh, most people could, could use to reduce some amount of effort in their life about something. Um, and I've also just pulled up uh, five things about King Henry II, King of England in chronological order. I was born in Le Mans, France. Uh, he was Matilda's only surviving legitimate child. Uh, married Eleanor of Equitaine. Um, let's see. Uh, Henry succeeded the throne following the death of King Stephen. Now, here's the thing. I might be making cards or something like this, and some of this could easily be wrong. Uh, I think right. it, it's... Uh, one thing people aren't necessarily aware of is that ChatGPT um, does often source things from strange places, or uh, I've seen examples where if you ask it... Um, Oh hey, can you tell me um, about Napoleon's brother, Bob Napoleon? It'll be like, oh certainly, yeah. Bob Napoleon was a very important part of the rebellion, and uh, Bob Napoleon did this and fought in this battle. And uh, uh, there is no Bob Napoleon. It's right. just trying to fill in blanks with all of the content that it's been given. Um, and so uh, it does sometimes, you know, uh, just try to fill in things the way that kind of like a, a high school student might try to fill in things, like kind of like smudging things a little bit, trying to make things sound like they they are legitimate um so it's kind of hard to fact check i think uh you know getting some facts from chat gpt and then trying to fact check them would actually be a useful exercise um but i think chat gpt could also be um very useful in terms of uh uh family feud if you think of it as a family feud machine you'll get a lot out of it which is to say um tell me 10 things about napoleon bonaparte right he's short he's french uh he was a general um battle of waterloo yeah battle of waterloo like um uh wellington you know it, it'll just list 10 things and you'll be like well i should know those 10 things right. i don't know this one let me look that up um now there's a there's a running joke about being family feud smart which is if you watch a lot of family feud you like think you're a genius because you can answer all these questions but uh, it's it's not the same as jeopardy or any of the other game shows because family feud is just about you know uh, getting the answers that the most people said. I remember, I think there was a segment on Family Feud that's like, name an insect. And one of the top answers was spider, <laughs> which isn't an insect. Um, so I think ChatGPT can help you recognize like very basic gaps like that. Like, uh, tell me 10 American authors that I should know about. And then you can do that research on your own. Um, because a lot of quizable questions are trying to um, uh, ask you about famous things and things that are notable and things that are um, you know well-documented. Uh, so I think chat GPT can be helpful for that. Um, and uh, I, I recommend most people try it. Yeah, it, it won't take the place of doing the actual work, though, because I tried to Absolutely have chat GPT no. write the history lecture for me, and it's just no good. I've tried to have chat GPT write pyramidal quiz bowl questions, and mm-hmm. they're not very good at that either yet. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. It's, yeah. uh, it it's also, in its infancy. Uh, we also asked it who the coach of Middlesex Middle School was, uh, uh, and 
and it, it gave us some random Dr. Nick Riviera. No, that wasn't his name, but something like that. Some random it was like, oh, he's a he's a well known researcher at Rutgers and right. he also coaches the Middlesex quiz bowl team. And we're like, Oh really? Uh it did list us as one of the best quiz bowl programs. That's in fair. The country, yeah, which is cool. uh, you know, it didn't list us as number one, which tells us there's still some bugs in there. But <laughs> um, it uh, it it says that it pulls from data and things like that. So it's interesting. It's an interesting uh, little little tool to play with, and I, I strongly recommend people check it out. All right. So We're again, about, send in uh, your mailbag questions. Send in your mailbag questions to for the number ten points at gmail.com. All right, Mr. T, so this is, a, again, a, a different episode than what we typically do. There's no scoreboard. We're not going to do a buzz phrase, but one of the cool resources out there for you is this website called studystack.com where you can make flashcards. I know people like Anki um, to, to do carding, but I, I, I feel like StudyStack is, uh, is, is really good. They have a whole thing on Quiz Bowl. You can just, like, search Quiz Bowl, and it gives you a whole bunch of different topics, authors, and, and, uh, and their works periodic table anything you want and so what i have here uh, mr t and i kind of decided on which topics we're going to do ahead of time um i have i pick short stories and their authors so mr t i'm going to tell you the names of the short stories mm. and you're going to tell me the authors i'm going to give you 10 of them right. we're going to see, see how, how many you uh you pick out now i i i think i think you're going to do really well i'm going to say at least eight out of ten okay okay That's a lot of confidence all right all right, so then you guys play along at home and see if you beat Mr. T. All right, here's the first one. The Legend of Sleepy Hollow and Rip Van Winkle. Is Longfellow. Uh, Washington Irving. Ah, I oh. was, I was, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm trying to think, Longfellow is Paul Revere's ride, right? Yeah. So I was, I was, like, what, what's the phrase when you, like, Crosswire things in your brain. That's what I was saying. It's called crosswiring things in your brain. Yeah, I was, I was like, oh, it's that story that happens roughly around the Revolutionary War. So, but at least I can explain my mistake. All right, next one. Bartleby the Scrivener. Uh, Bartleby the Scrivener is um, Washington Irving. No, I'm joking. <laughs> it's um, is that Fitzgerald? Uh, close. Melville. Herman Melville. Melville. Uh, All right, next one. Uh, the Gift of the Magi. Gift of the Magi. I should know this one. Uh, it is O. Henry. It is O. Henry. Very yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, the Lottery. Lottery is Shirley Jackson. Very good. There's a Shirley Jackson award for writers that is just a rock with your name on it. <laughs> that is. Nice. Yeah. Does it get thrown at you if no, you win? No, <laughs> but it is mailed to you, so it's kind of like being thrown at you. All right. Next, A Perfect Day for Banana Fish. Uh, that is Salinger. Very good. Yeah. Uh, Young Goodman Brown, Dr. Heidegger's Experiment, and The Minister's Black Veil. Uh, that's Hawthorne. Very good. Yeah, The Minister's Black Veil is a really interesting one. Europe, The Tree of Knowledge, The Turn of the Screw. Turn of the Screw is... It's a... Tell me the three one more time. Sure. It's Europe, the Tree of Knowledge, mm-hmm. the Turn of the Screw. Now, I haven't read any of these. This is my problem. Um, so my recommendation for everybody is the more short stories you read, the more you'll get. The ones that I got were all short stories that I've actually read. And, and I'll say and this. Like, as I someone who doesn't. I, all I, short stories that I have not read. And I don't read that much, but every short story I've read 
I've immediately gone to look at quiz bowl questions about it, and mm-hmm. I've been able to power every single one of them. The turn of the screw. What do you I, got? I have a feeling it's. I don't, I don't think it's Poe, but I'm going to guess Poe. Uh, it's Henry James. Yeah. All right. Um, the snows of Kilimanjaro. I have never heard of the story or read the story, so I'm just going to guess um, it is uh, the guy who wrote all of the dog stories. Um, Jack London. Jack London. No, this yeah. is also Ernest Hemingway. Okay. Uh, the Devil and Daniel Webster. That is um, Samuel Clemens, a.k.a. Nope. This is Stephen Vincent Benet. No, really? Yeah. That's not? Uh, <clears throat> All right. Uh, An Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. Okay. Ambrose Beers. Very good. Because I read that one in high school. All right. So, Mr. T, five out of ten. Yeah. No, that sounds right. Five out of ten. And um, I mean, and I could tell you of the five that I got, I've read all of them. And of the five that I didn't get, I, I didn't know any of those short stories. All right. So. Let's see if uh, you people out there... Beat Mr. T. Okay, Mr. T. This is bringing what back you got fl- flashbacks of my students all beating me at chess during flex. <laughs> all, it's all they do all day is play chess. Uh, okay, this was uh, a president who was formerly governor of New oh, York. Wait, wait, wait. What's the what's category? Oh, these are all uh, presidents. Okay, and make sure they're shuffled so it's not like yeah. in order, right? Uh, okay. Formerly governor of New York. Um, Martin Van Buren. Yes. Okay. Wow. So you're going to give me 10? One for 10. How many do you think I'm going to get, Mr. T? Uh, I'll say eight. Eight. Okay. All right. Um, so one, one, one for 10. Okay. Or one for one. Okay. Uh, former director of the CIA. Uh, George H.W. Bush. Yes. That's correct. Um, let's see. Can I give you any of the clues? Sure. Or, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, that's the other thing about yeah. this this um, study stack is it's not just like uh, – one side of a card is the clue. One side is the answer. You can add as many different mm-hmm. sides of a card as, as yeah, you want. Yeah. I think that they tend to get easier. Uh, campaigned on the Save the Union theme. Oh. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. Lincoln? No, it's James Buchanan. Oh, okay. Uh, the guy before him. All right. The the negative clues there were uh, if I give you anything else you would have gotten it okay so I would have said like bachelor president oh yeah, yeah. years prior service yep yep um, let's see uh, the last Whig president um William Henry Harrison no it was Millard Fillmore ah oh, man all right uh, let's see called old rough and ready by troops for his unkempt appearance. Uh, Zachary Taylor. That's correct. Okay. Uh, let's see. Grandson of the ninth president. Benjamin Harrison. That's true. All right. So what is that? Four, four out of six? I think so. Okay. Um, the only president to earn his PhD. Ooh. That's tough. How about Garfield? No, it's Woodrow Wilson. Oh, yeah, he was a he was a president of Princeton. I should I should have known that. Uh, the first to broadcast a speech over radio. Hmm. How about Roosevelt? It is Warren Harding. Mm. Uh, let's see. All right, give me two more. The oldest elected president. Uh, Ronald Reagan. That's correct. And last one. And peanut farmer. Oh, Jimmy Carter. Yeah. All right. 
Hopefully, uh, you guys did better than us. Um, these so these questions, I uh, I tried to choose clues that I thought would be more obscure. Um, uh, but it, uh, I think one of the best things about these is you can kind of level the difficulty a little bit for yourself. Like uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure if I asked you about, um, you know, uh, let's see, one of the presents you didn't get was. Um, trying to remember which ones you uh, didn't harding get. so if you yeah. mentioned the teapot dome scandal i would have exactly yeah. yeah so you can kind of level these questions and say okay well i know uh he was a former editor publisher by trade the first to ride in a car to his inauguration first to visit canada and alaska but i didn't know he was the first to broadcast speech over radio like you can you can kind of uh put together uh, i think study stack is a useful resource i would check it out and uh if um if you are uh, at all interested in just continuing to improve at Quiz Bowl, then uh, we appreciate your time for being here. Uh, thank you for listening to 10 for, to for 10 Points, the best podcast on the web for everything Quiz Bowl related. Hopefully, whether you are a player, a coach, or just trying to improve, we have helped you get better. Uh, this is Andrew Turiago signing off for my co-host, Ken Romeo. Uh, we'll see you all next time. Send in mailbag questions. <laughs> <laughs>